Thriving in today's fast-paced world of change and disruption requires innovation. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that explores the ins and outs of innovation with raw stories, real insights, and practical advice from the best and brightest in the world of startups and innovation. Each week, we'll bring you the latest ideas in lean startup, design thinking, corporate venture capital, and more. Now, let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Today, we're bringing you a story from down in the heart of Texas. Uh, It starts with a company called Nutribolt. Uh, extremely fast-growing company who's focused on the supplement industry. I mean, uh, check them out on the Inc. 5000 list. Uh, year after year after year, they're experiencing phenomenal growth and have some amazing popular products that you can find in pretty much any store uh, in, in, in the focus on helping uh, people continue to get the right nutrition for their workouts. You know, over the past, not even decade yet, uh, they've grown uh, to several hundred million uh, dollars in, in annual revenue. But a few years ago, as they started to continue to think about what next in their company life cycle, they decided to try their hand at a corporate accelerator. Now, uh, that's where we pick up today's story. We've got a great interview with Brian Bolte and Steve Tinkle, uh, the leaders of the Seed Sumo Accelerator, uh, part of and connected to uh, Nutribolt there on their campus down in Bryan, Texas. And what I really like about this interview is Brian and Steve, uh, this is their third year of working within this uh, corporate accelerator that still functions a little bit uh, apart from the corporation. But what you'll hear in the conversation uh, that I had with Brian and Steve is all of the great uh, ways that having a corporate accelerator with startup teams influences the core business but also helps the corporation continue to find new and transformative ways to continue to grow. Uh, They also share a number of their lessons learned if they were to go back and start things over again. And so for any of you out there who are considering what's that next big step in corporate innovation, uh, or maybe you're already hearing all the news, I think just recently again, um, Target just announced their partnership with Techstars, uh, you know, a number of other organizations are out there looking at either branded or franchise corporate accelerators or trying to do it on their own. This is the episode to listen to, and I know these are the guys to talk to. Uh, so hopefully you enjoy this interview and uh, look forward to hearing your feedback. Let's get into the interview. All right. Well, Steve and Brian, so the corporate accelerator world is 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 unique, and there's a lot of people trying a bunch of different approaches. Uh, we interviewed one of the co-founders of ING's uh, Innovation Studio recently, and they did a unique mix of three startup teams and three corporate teams and made them all play together for the duration of their accelerator. Uh, Target just uh, signing on with Techstars to, to ramp theirs up, or a Sprint who's been doing uh, Techstars for three years and has decided to drop them. Uh, there have been different models from just doing complete startups uh, all in and, and having them adjacent to the core business or completely different from the core business. Tell us a little bit about what Seed Sumo is and and Nutribolt and how those two work together. Yeah, I guess I can start. So yeah, so uh, Seed Sumo is actually completely separate from Nutribolt. Uh, Nutribolt's a, a large sports nutrition 
conglomerate, I guess you can say. They have about four brands uh, that are all worldwide. Um, Seed Sumo invests, as of today, we invest in main, mainly tech companies. Um, we sit inside of Nutribolt's facility. Uh, kind of the theory behind that is uh, kind of the the innovation would, would kind of, you know, leak into kind of the minds of all the employees of Nutribolt. It actually has. Like there's, there's been a lot more innovation since we've kind of been here. Um I don't know, Steve, if you want to add to that. It's kind yeah, of definitely basis. some crossover. You know, one of the things I think that's exciting about, you know, working with Nutribolt is, and it's very, a very natural fit. I mean, Nutribolt itself, you know, was a startup at one point. You know, they started off in a duplex and worked their way up to, you know, a, a warehouse that no one would probably want to be in to, you know, a fabulous building, you know, and really grinding it out with some really, you know, some tough stories about the startup journey and have built a great company by being really dialed in with the market. And so I think it's a huge value prop, you know, for us that you naturally create Seed Sumo. And so we, you know, we can tell people that we're not program managers. You know, we actually are startup guys. Mm -hmm. We built a company with enduring, lasting value. And we know what it's like to go through that grind and can relate to the challenges uh, of building companies at all the different phases. In the early phases, the challenges are very much different than they are when you're a three or $500 million company. Sure. Uh, let's go back to thinking about the accelerator experience itself. Uh, Nutribolt, as you said, is a conglomerate, a wildly successful supplement company. How many supplement startups have you had in the Seed Sumo Accelerator so far? Zero. Okay. Tell me about that strategy. Tell me to go back to the beginning of, as you're thinking about hey, we want to continue to grow as a company, and Nutribolt is saying we want to have this accelerator, and then you have zero things that are startups around the core business. Yeah, I mean, I, it's not something I like to admit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, and things are changing, right? But, uh, you know, initially this this whole thing was, you know, obviously we had we'd all had, you know, some pretty good success, and we wanted to kind of, Diversify. I wanted to get into something. It was about really starting something new and, and seeing if we can have some success in some other spaces. And, you know, technology has kind of always uh, attracted all of us. Right. But, um, you know, the reality is, uh, you know, I think we're starting to see more and more that we get so many, so many deals sent our way that are kind of in that well health and wellness space. And now these deals are getting so good, they're kind of hard to ignore. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there will be kind of a transitioning, uh, especially for Seed Sumo. But uh, Steve, I don't know if you want to add. Yeah, you know the core of the start of Seed Sumo and that origin story. If you look at Nutribolt's mission, you know the mission of the company is not to produce nutritional products; it's grow and give back. Mm-hmm. And the heart of Seed Sumo is about that. The entire you know startup space, the startup accelerators as well, that whole ecosystem is defined by give first. Get before you get. And so the, it was about giving back and helping other people, you know, have their shot at startup success. And what could we do to help startups be more successful? And then, you know, you begin to realize there are a lot of natural connections that we could put together. It wasn't about trying to help Nutribolt necessarily be, you know, the better company. How can we bring you in to help us? But you realize there are a lot of connections. There are a lot of synergies. And, you know, it starts to make sense to, you know, seek out some things where we can leverage that more. And even bringing that up is 
to me, at least from the outside observer, looking at the classes that you've had go through and at least what I see from the amounts that they're raising or the national spotlight that they're getting or uh, the Kickstarter campaigns that I've seen, you seem to have a pretty good hit ratio of teams that are coming through there, even though they may not be directly connected to the core business of the corporation. Can you highlight a couple of the teams that you're most proud of? Again, that you probably wouldn't have even seen if you would have just had a a core business focused accelerator. Well, I mean, we had um, you know not to single them out, but based on just running with what you said, national spotlight. So you know, Car Force that went through our last class was you know Jesse was named IBM's Global Entrepreneur of the Year, which is great. Um, you know, great exposure, great press. You know, and and I, I think there's something there you know too that people are really getting excited about. Um, you, you mentioned the uh, Kickstarter. So, you know, Naki went through with a device that I think they probably could have had a pretty good run with. We made a couple of recommendations that they tested and, you know, now have a product that what did they raise what, uh, several hundred thousand on Kickstarter and, you know, in 48 yeah, hours. Yeah, three quarters of a million I've seen so far the last time I saw it. Yeah, they had like 300 grand in 48 hours. Now they're up to like, I think, over 800. Yeah, over 800,000. Their goal was 35,000. Yeah. You know, and I would say that David, that was that was all growth hacking, by the way. All growth hacking, absolutely. That was a very intentional campaign, mm. uh, and you know, a lot of people look at it and think, "All you gotta do is throw up on Kickstarter and win." But that was a very strategic decision to delay Kickstarter until this point and to execute it a, the very specific way. And while we may have had, you know, a, a part of some of those decisions, inevitably, I mean, Jake and Ahad, you know, fabulous entrepreneurs that they made the execution decisions. And I think it was, you know, good for us to, to place a bet on them as, as entrepreneurs. They're the ones that really got it done. So, you know, full credit to the team for execution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of uh, tangential to that. Again, we have a lot of corporate folks who are thinking about we need to have an accelerator. And they're struggling, though, with, okay, that seems like a big outlay of money to do this. What can I expect? What does success look like? Uh, you guys are a couple of years into it. Uh, how do you know that you're being successful? You know, it's a good question. You know, I, I think what we we really focus on their business models, like, um, you know, and, and, and their growth funnel uh, is really all we can look at, right? Because like, if you look at, you know, uh, are they sustainable? Are they, you know, a lot of accelerators look at how much money they've raised. Like mm-hmm. to us, those are, you know, some, sometimes vanity metrics. Um, yeah, here's the deal, man. In the startups accelerator space, success for most people is defined by exits, right? Yep. So wh- what do you do if you don't have an exit? You've got to have some other metric that you can put your teeth into, right? Mm-hmm. So for us, you know, I think the way we're going to define success is the company making progress. You know, if, if we continue to prove value to the market as defined by increasing the effectiveness of their funnel, when people experience their site or their product that they, you know, download, use, you know, become a part of it, um, share, that it continues growing week over week. If week over week growth is continuing and it's at a certain threshold, then at that point, that company is being successful because they're moving forward. Sure, sure. Definitely. I think the better question that I've, I've wrestled with this a lot is um, what is success not? You know, I mean, you, you definitely can feel that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's tough sometimes because you want to be able to point to things so that you'll know, you know, is this a worthwhile investment? And so I, I encourage people to look at more like your week over week growth. Are you making progress? Not 
are you pinning it on an exit, which may not happen for seven to 10 years? Well, and I think that's the thing. I mean, we're seeing a number of corporations who made it a year, maybe two, maybe three years with their corporate accelerator and they're shutting them down. Right. What I'm hearing from you guys is one, uh, what exactly are you pinning success on? And two, uh, can you even know after a year or two whether this is a good innovation strategy or alternative revenue uh, generation strategy for a corporation? Uh, one difference that, that we did is we actually looked at it from a 10-year perspective when we started this. And we said, okay, the first three years, let's run an accelerator like everyone else tells us we should. And let's just learn as much as we possibly can. And, and you know, obviously we've made some small tweaks here and there and, and we have a different application process than most. And, you know, we have, we feel like less mentors is better because, you know, you can just confuse the heck out of these guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we like getting our hands dirty so our staff's a little bigger than, than most. Um, well, definitely but, hands on than most, for sure. you know, at the end of three years, which which is coming up, we've already had our partner meeting and, and we said, okay, what do the next three years look like? What do we learn? And, you know, it is going to change a little bit. I, I can't publicly announce it yet, but it, it's going to it's gonna look a lot different. Seed Sumo is going to be drastically different next year than it is this year. And it's based on learnings, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe hit on that staff piece for me, because uh, I, I do agree. You have a larger staff than I see at the other accelerators that I work with in, in the nation. Uh, but you also have a very talented group. I, I mean, Brian and Steve and, and DJ, and your, your group that you have there is, is pretty impressive. Just at a high level, if I'm a corporation thinking about putting together an accelerator, what are those key roles or key skills that I need to have on the team uh, to make it be successful? Hmm. That's well, a good question. Yeah, you know, it's a different, it's definitely a different skill set. Uh, yeah, I think if you go back to the definition of of what you know startups are doing, I think it was Dave McClure that said a startup is a an entity that doesn't know what its customers are, what its product is, or what its business model is. Mm-hmm. At the core of it, to me, is uncertainty. Everything about a startup, early stage, pre seed deals, like what we're dealing with every day, is uncertain. We don't know that they have the right idea. We don't know that that's the right market. Who are the early adopters? What will they pay? So it's all about discovery. So you have to have people that are, that are not, um, they don't need to fit into a role. They, they're comfortable with uncertainty and discovery and they're innovators by nature. They're curious people that are willing to take a risk. Yeah. And I think to put it, you know, kind of bluntly, I think you need guys that have started and, and had success with companies before, like from the ground up and, and people are very, like sneaky about this, like you really do need to find guys that have actually started a company and actually had success because people kind of paint a good picture every once in a while. <laughs> um, and, and you know, you need a couple of those guys and then obviously you need guys that can just get things done. You need, uh, create, you know, designers and you need growth hackers, um, people that understand data. Um, you know, really, in our opinion, you need a full growth team because, you, know. yeah. you know, and Brian's point, too, is really strong that, you know, think about if you were going to in, in any company, say you're a 50 million dollar company and you want a new CEO, what do you hire? Ideally, you look for someone maybe in that 250 to 500 million range that has already done it before that can come back and build and knows the path to go through. The startup path is very different than a, corp- a corporate path. And to bring someone in who hasn't had experience in that industry is really setting you up. Uh, to, to fail because there's it's totally different how you run them the the currency of a startup is knowledge it's not 
necessarily revenue like a business might be. And you have to be able to find the right information quickly and make those decisions. And someone who's already done it before uh, has got a better view of what the field looks like. Sure. One of the things that uh, I'm getting questioned on by, by corporate innovation leaders primarily is we're thinking about having some of uh, maybe it's an accelerator or somebody else who's in charge of an innovation program. But I, but I get, I'm getting the sense that those people too, especially if they're trying to select people who've had startup experience or entrepreneurial, they want to participate in the upside, right? They want to be part of the win. And so do I need to incent or do I, do I need to compensate them differently for leading those types of initiatives? Are you talking about the, the team that would actually run the accelerator? Yeah, you guys. Yeah, r- running the accelerator in and of itself. No, the, it's a different animal altogether. Um, you know, the things that excites people is the, the uncertainty, you know, the upside potential, you know, and being able to get back and be a part of something new that you can bring into the world. And it, it doesn't have a formula. It doesn't follow a corporate mindset. And I think that's the, the core challenge you've got to address. And you have to realize this, to me, this is kind of a non-negotiable. A corporation that's successful is successful because it's doing what works at scale. And the discovery component is foreign to that entity. It has to exist outside of that same structure. The startup, the accelerator cannot be accountable to the corporate entity mm-hmm. because it has to be free to to innovate and try think, new things. I think Google's done a great job of that. Absolutely. Oh, but, but, so, but back in the day, maybe the, I think they killed it, wasn't it? With the 20 percent time uh or at least they were trying to do some do your job, but also do some innovation and new projects on the side. Yeah, and then they, I think you know once they finally separated, yeah, Google Ventures from the actual animal. Yeah, well, you know, and I don't, I think it needs to be separate because if you're uh, 3M, probably might say something different, but you know, the, the there could be jealousy over how you're spending your time. You can take away your focus. The, the, I think the biggest barrier to success in terms of the innovation space is the phrase, you know, we've never done it that way before. Mm-hmm. That won't work. Uh, you don't know what's going to work. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a real example, and Doss will probably hate me for this, but um, we passed on. Uh, so we we had an invest, investment um, come across our desk, and it was it was cricket protein. So yeah, um, you know, innovative. You know, it's it's scalable. It's this new type of protein that you can make from crickets. And we brought it to the table, and they had some traction, and had some influencers talking about it. And Doss, you know, said that won't work. No one will ever eat crickets. Right? <laughs> like that's not going to work. Well, you know, they've, they've gone on to raise like a series B and they're crushing it. And, uh, literally, right. They're literally crunching <laughs> <laughs> and crushing it. <laughs> and, uh, so that, that was one. And we had a couple others and that's why we're kind of moving more towards the model where, you know, we're going to kind of be the, you know, a separate entity, but we're going to be aligned with Nutribull, but it's separate because, yeah. you know, the mainly because the in, in incentives and, and aligning our team around it to where we're still excited. And to be clear, CISUMO and Nutribull have always been separate entities, but even if we begin to look at, you know, startups that are more in that space, um, I think that separation is very important. Yeah, that, that's a good example, a perfect example, because you guys, it sounds like you might have made the decision to go on that if you would have had even more autonomy or maybe even more track record to to jump on that Absolutely. <laughs> figuratively and literally. A big part of what we do, um, you know, jumping on your question here, is uh, 
<laughs> I appreciate you jumping in on that. Yeah, I'll do what I can. You know, we have a very, by design, we have a very limited amount of time with these teams. A, a startup accelerator as opposed to an incubator or co-working space is defined as a definite start date and end date. Uh, it's not ongoing forever. There's a certain, you know, favorable terms that we we put forth. We do buy into equity. Um, what, what can you do in 90 days? You actually can do a lot. But the biggest focus for us is business model validation. We're not trying to build a huge, giant company in 90 days. We're trying to determine if it should be built. Are there obvious conditions in which we should pivot and change? Are there obvious indicators that we should continue to press in? On the surface, I've talked about this all the time. Uber, Airbnb are horrible ideas, and I give you 100 reasons why. But the market validated that those companies needed to exist, and they were able to find a way through, even though notable people had failed in previous attempts and notable investors had passed on uh, Uber when it came across their desk. Our job is not to predict the market. It's to be able to put the right tools in place and the right kind of petri dish for success and then watch how that company is able to execute, interface with the market, and then produce success and at any even smaller scales than what maybe a company would normally like. If we can go and remove and de-risk the investment and say this needs to continue, that's our job during that period. And obviously make as much success, you know, as we can, as much traction as we can. Um, and then, you know, we try to be very specific about what it means to de-risk that investment in that time period. And then if, if it doesn't work, we need to know that too. Yeah. Good insights. Anything else you guys uh, want to share about uh, Seed Sumo or what you've seen in corporate innovation? Yeah, I remember uh, Salim Ismail from Singularity University spoke at the Fortune Growth Summit a couple of years ago. And he said, the minute you begin to innovate, the natural immune system of your corporation will begin to swarm and attack it. And you'll, you can see that in any, any company. It happens really quickly. And even companies as low as, let's say, two to three million in revenue, that'll begin to happen up, you know, obviously to much bigger size. Uh, so, you know, I think you have to take that into account in the design. Brian and Steve, if people want to learn more about you guys or maybe even some of the more innovative things uh, that you're working on, uh, where can they go learn about that? Seedsumo.com. Yeah, I appreciate you giving us the opportunity to ask questions and, and hopefully <clears throat> indicate we might have some opinions about this space that are worth listening to you know, on the serious side. But we also you know, like to have a lot of fun and we have our own culture. And I think there's no better place to find that than our Hot Pepper Pitch videos. Mm -hmm. so if, uh, you go to YouTube and search uh, Hot Pepper Pitch. I would recommend Game It, G-A-M-E-I-T with no space. Hilarious. Um, you know, we, we see a lot of companies pitch ideas all day and sometimes that gets a little boring. Uh, you know, thanks to Vernon Shaw from Hot Pepper Gaming for introducing the concept. Uh, my son had brought his videos to us, and we said, what if we could take this concept to the startups? Mm -hmm. We have them eat habanero peppers dipped in Carolina Reaper sauce, which is about 1.5 million Scoville units of heat. Uh, compare that to Tabasco, which is around 1,000. And then uh, they try to remember to pitch their company when your brain is telling you that it's dying. It's a lot of fun, and uh, we, uh, we give them a, a cool video to promote their own startup. Well, and it, it, like just like you said, it's a growth hack. Uh, you guys got some very cool national exposure and invites to oh, what, what, what TechCrunch disrupt one time or South by or a number of things. Uh, doing yeah, Forbes covered it. It was pretty funny. Yeah, Forbes, uh, American Genius. It, you know, it's a lot of fun and it's just something fresh in, in our space. Very cool. 
Well, that's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, reach out and let us know uh, what you're thinking. Uh, give us your feedback. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at the IO Podcast. And if you have 30 seconds to spare, please, we'd love to hear from you on iTunes as well. Go over there, review us, uh, give us uh, an opportunity to uh, earn your trust and business, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Till next time, go out and innovate.